Imagine an idea, exciting and innovative, destined to catapult a company from obscurity to the vanguard of its industry. Imagine, then, that the potential of this idea goes unrecognised, the company fails to validate it and consequence. Failure. Sounds dramatic. To some startups, this nightmare is their reality. Those missed opportunities can be tragic. Fortunately, not all companies fall into that trap. Good number harness the power of idea validation, like Warby Parker. At the eyeglasses company, they've done quite well. That's right. Warby Parker, now a household name, may have never seen success without smart idea validation strategies. Their approach. Minimising uncertainty by testing the market's acceptance of a disruptive, highly fashionable, yet affordable eyewear. So, technically, a pair of glasses changed their fortune. More than that, Claudia. It's the validation of their idea. The process they undertook to ensure their product met a pressing need and spoke to their target audience. And this is what we call smart strategies. Idea validation is indeed a crucial step for startups. It could lead to global success or, unfortunately, a downfall. Think about it, Robert. An exciting idea without validation, isn't it just a guess? Hmm, that seems fair. A guess with potential, but still, it's a gamble. And startups can hardly afford to gamble, right? They need something more than a hunch, something concrete, measurable and actionable. Right. Otherwise, hit or miss, it becomes a situation of blind luck. So we can agree the need for idea validation is... It's more like ensuring future success. It's like an insurance policy against failure. You validate, observe, analyse and then enter the market. Yes, I can see that. How does the process look and feel for startups? In one word, iterative. It's not a one-off process. The idea validation process, the validations themselves, they are subject to change and evolve with the startup. Much like how a novel takes shape, you start with an idea, first draft, and then revisit and refine it. The same goes for startups. So it's kind of like a safety net rather than a process? Exactly, Robert. That's the correct way of seeing idea validation. And those who skip it, are they even aware of the potential dire consequences? I guess the term dire isn't an exaggeration when the entire venture is potentially on the line. Skipping idea validation sounds reckless when you describe it that way. A bit theatrical, but you catch the drift, don't you? Idea validation, it's not just this corporate jargon. It is the lifeline for many fledgling companies navigating through the unsure waters of their early days. I am starting to see the picture. The whole process seems so integral for a promising start. That's it, Robert. It's not a fancy option, it's a fundamental requirement. I always believe that a well-configured idea validation process can be a startup's best buddy in its early days. Is our idea really the next big thing? Or just another infatuation bound to fizzle out? That is where idea validation strategies come into play, Claudia to really distinguish visionary ideas from passing fads. And one strategy, a classic really, is SWOT analysis. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats. It's like snap judging your startup, brutally honest, let you know how you stack up and maybe even where to pivot. Interesting how you use pivot there. Another strategy that often gets overlooked is the prototype. It's almost like a pre-prototype, allowing startups to test if they are building the right it before they build it right. Pretotype? That's new to me. A clever play on words and concept. So we talked about the SWOT analysis, the pretotype. What else is there? I am glad you're curious, Claudia. 
Another impressive one is smoke tests. Pretty straightforward. It's selling the idea or product before it's built. You create the illusion of a functioning product and observe if customers show buying behavior. Smoke tests, quite a name. A bit on the risky side, wouldn't you say? It does sound risky, but it can be invaluable in validating before investing time and resources into full-scale development. That makes sense. And what about landing pages or A-B testing? I have read they are also quite effective. Absolutely. Landing pages can help verify if your message or offer resonates with the target audience. And A-B testing allows you to compare two versions of a web page or marketing material to see which one performs better. I think it's crucial to stress that the choice of strategy depends on the specifics of the startup, the market, and of course the idea itself. Claudia, at the risk of sounding redundant, I must agree that SWOT analysis is an effective way for startups to understand their position. You might have heard of this modern concept of pretotyping. It's this fascinating way of testing if you're building the right it before you sink your resources into fully developing it. First, we identify the key hypotheses that must prove true for the product to succeed. Then we develop a simple, quick, and cost-efficient way to test these hypotheses. This could be as simple as a landing page to test customer interest or even a cardboard mock-up of a product to get initial feedback. This pretotype concept sounds not just efficient, but pretty cool too. So you're saying that we need to identify key aspects of the idea and test them before going all in? Exactly, Claudia. The goal is to get quick feedback, minimise risk and potentially save a lot of time and resources. Now moving on, we have what is known as smoke tests. The essence here is to sell the product before building it. Wait a minute. Selling an idea or product before building it? Sounds unusual, doesn't it? But it does lead us into an interesting thought experiment. Through a smoke test, you essentially create a landing page or an advertisement depicting an MVP, minimum viable product, and then observe how many people show an interest in buying or subscribing for it. It's like testing the waters before jumping in. And really minimising risk, it seems. Precisely. Entrepreneurs have to remember that a good idea is just the start. The real test is whether the market is interested. If it is, then you have something that's worth investing your time, energy, and yes, money into. These strategies like the SWOT analysis, pretotyping and smoke tests give entrepreneurs a kind of roadmap, a way to gather data, assess potential, and steer their efforts in the direction where they're most likely to find success. Sliding right into the market research, quite an essential part of idea validation. Isn't it, Robert? It sure is, Claudia. It provides substantial data about the market size, trends, competition and more, which is crucial for any startup to steer their idea in the right direction. I see. So when we say estimating market size, does that mean figuring out potential customers who would be interested in our product or service? Yes, Claudia. And not just who, but also how many. Estimating the potential customer base gives a pretty good picture of the opportunity size that's waiting to be tapped. If the number is huge, then it validates that there is a need for your idea in the marketplace. But understanding the industry trends must also play a key role in this validation process, right? Absolutely. Understanding industry trends helps startups in predicting future opportunities. By examining these trends, they can figure out how and where to position their idea, which markets are growing, what's in demand, and so on. I can't help but wonder about the role of a competitor analysis. I mean, isn't it essential to understand what your rivals are doing before you make your move? Exactly, Claudia. 
Conducting comprehensive competitor analysis helps startups to understand the strengths, weaknesses of their competitors. Moreover, it allows them to see what strategies are working for others, which could inspire innovative approaches for their own idea. So all these steps, market size, industry trends, competitor analysis, are crucial for entrepreneurs to make well-informed decisions and validate their ideas, right? You've got it, Claudia. By employing these strategies, startups can gather vital data, understand the market deeply and validate their ideas effectively. However, this is just the beginning. Next up, we'll dive into customer segmentation and market opportunity analysis, which are intrinsic to the process of idea validation. So, Robert, let's delve deeper into the concept of customer segmentation. I recall a memorable quote from a novel I read. It said, Knowing your audience makes you a master of your art. Here, the audience implies customers in a startup context, right? Exactly, Claudia. Customer segmentation allows startups to classify their target customers into manageable groups based on shared characteristics. This helps them understand who their customers are, what they need, and their behaviours, ultimately shaping their product or service accordingly. I can see how crucial customer segmentation is, providing a clear roadmap in terms of understanding customer needs. What about market opportunity analysis? How does it support idea validation? Well, Claudia, market opportunity analysis is like the other side of the same coin. This process estimates the attractiveness of an opportunity and how well your startup is poised to capitalise on it. It helps determine if this opportunity aligns with your business's strengths and capabilities, therefore ensuring the highest chance of success. Interesting. Now that we understand these concepts from a theoretical perspective, could you share some best practices for conducting effective customer segmentation and market opportunity analysis? Sure, Claudia. Let's start with customer segmentation. First, remember to use both demographic and psychographic data for a well-rounded profile of your customer group. Next, segment by purchasing habits or behaviour, as it's how people interact with your product that counts. Lastly, ensure these segments are actionable, meaning they can directly impact your business strategy. Robert, those are certainly valuable insights. Sounds like an in-depth analysis of customer behaviour can reveal patterns that would otherwise go unnoticed. But what about market opportunity analysis? For market opportunity analysis, first assess the size of the market opportunity. Understand the key dynamics of the market, like growth rate and profitability. Next, analyse your competitors and how you compare. Also, don't overlook the importance of external factors like regulatory environment or cultural trends, as they can significantly impact your opportunity. Thank you, Robert. I think what you're stating here is that getting to know your customers and recognising the potential market opportunity are cardinal steps in validating your startup idea. It's not just about dreaming big, but also meticulously examining the potential of your vision. Absolutely. And remember, behind every successful startup, there's a well-defined customer segmentation and a thorough market opportunity analysis. It's only when you deeply understand your market and customers that you can validate whether your idea has the potential to make a significant impact. Robert, I've read a lot about entrepreneurs creating customer personas. How exactly do they help startups? Well, Claudia, customer personas are a representation of a startup's ideal customer. They're built on market research and real data about existing customers. They generally include demographic details and behavioural traits, 
which can guide startups in tailoring their offerings. So a clear picture of our target customer can come in handy. How about conducting surveys? I always wondered how much valuable data can we extract utilising this method. Surveys done right help us dig deeper into understanding the customer by gauging their wants and needs. They can not only validate our assumptions, but also provide additional data for a broader insight. The important thing is to ask the right questions. You've made that quite clear, Robert. Identifying customer pain points to me seems like empathising with our customer base. Do you agree? Yes, Claudia. Customer pain points are a key element in understanding their needs. If you know what problem your customer is grappling with, you can tailor your product or service as a solution. Watching customer behaviour, asking open-ended questions and using your product can all help you find these pain points. Sounds like playing detective, where the suspects are customers' problems. But we can't interview each of our customers. That's where focus groups come into the picture, right? Absolutely. Focus groups are a valuable source of qualitative data. They involve a group of targeted customers discussing their feelings, attitudes and ideas about a product or service. The interactive nature of these groups often illuminates new perspectives. Thanks for elucidating that, Robert. So far, we've laid out the methods for extracting and utilising feedback for our startups. Let's consider combining these methods. Do you think it could bring more value? Spot on, Claudia. The more angles we explore, the more confident we can be in understanding our customers' needs, hence taking us one step closer to validating our startup idea. Robert, translating these insights into winning strategies can be tricky. How have you tackled this? That's an intriguing aspect, Claudia. In my stint managing PR for a fitness startup, we conducted a survey to understand the gaps in workout experiences that our product could fill. The response was overwhelming, but the key was in translating those responses into action. That sounds like a case of opening Pandora's box, but the right call seemed to have made the difference. Exactly. We partitioned the feedback into categories and prioritised them based on feasibility, impact and alignment with our values. We enhanced our app's interface, making it more user-friendly and focusing on the aspects the target audience was seeking. Our conversion rates shot up. Validation indeed. I remember diving into Dostoyevsky's Crime and Punishment. Despite being dense, it was the real-world applicability of Raskolnikov's moral dilemmas that resonated. Similarly... It's about understanding the psyche of our audience, isn't it? That's an excellent point, Claudia. It's about empathising with your audience and understanding their perspective. The success of a startup hinges on its ability to evolve in response to customer needs, behaviours and feedback. I've heard it said, know thy enemy. Or simply understand your competition, right? Exactly, Claudia. During my stint, we had to analyse our competition extensively. It's about taking the best from them learning from their pitfalls, and being acutely aware of where our service fits into the market. And these lessons then flow into product differentiation. Absolutely. Offering something different from your competitors is a critical part of standing out in the market. We had to ensure our app offered something unique, unmet by our rivals. Expanding on that strategy, could studying indirect competitors help? Yes. Indirect competition can be just as important as direct competitors. They can offer insight into different market segments, provide unique solutions, or even highlight opportunities for diversification. Let's have a coffee moment, Robert. Can you explain the concept of pricing strategy? Well, Claudia, pricing strategy revolves around setting a price for your product or service that considers several factors. 
It includes the cost of production, target demographics, competitors' pricing, and your company's long-term goals. A proper pricing strategy can influence how your product is perceived and the profits you make. So it's not just about the lowest price, but about value, perception, and sustainability. Correct. Pricing strategies should strike a balance between being profitable and providing value to the customer. It's all part of a larger competitive positioning strategy. Earlier, we established the significance of competitor analysis in detangling the market space. Let's dissect its part in the idea validation strategy, Claudia. When I think about competitors and their importance in idea validation, it seems like a process of learning, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Examining your competitors provides you an invaluable opportunity to learn from their success and avoid mistakes they might have made. It's a real-time business school. Much like a mentor, exhibiting us the paths they walked, offering insights beyond our perspective. Couldn't put it better. Yet this is just a fragment of the role competitive analysis plays. We need to evaluate them, comprehend their business model and strategic decisions. It helps to test the effectiveness of our idea against theirs and refine it before going into the market. That sounds very strategic. Speaking about evaluation, what are the key aspects startups should focus on while analysing their competitors? Startups need to understand their competitors' strengths and weaknesses and study their business tactics. For instance, pricing, how they reach out to customers, their marketing strategies, user engagement and retention techniques. But what if a startup is the first in its field, the pioneer? Their idea might be so novel that they won't have any direct competitors to analyse. In such cases, startups can look at indirect competitors or industries that share a similar target audience. This allows for creative brainstorming regarding positioning and design of your product to achieve maximum user attraction and retention, while learning from those indirectly influencing your target market. Robert, let's escalate this discussion with some tangible examples. In recollection, Google began as a research project. It was called Backrub initially. Sergey Brin and Larry Page created an algorithm called PageRank. This new technology outperformed existing systems. What was unique about Google's approach? Well, interestingly, Claudia, their focus was on analysing backlinks to understand a web page's importance and deliver higher quality search results. They validated their idea by releasing it within Stanford University and collecting data. It was a huge hit, allowing them to secure initial funding to broaden their launch. Right, a perfect example of turning a vision into reality by testing and refining. The cornerstone of successful idea validation. Now, what if we steer this towards Uber? Travis Kalanick and Garrett Camp, their start wasn't as clear. Would you walk us through? Sure, Claudia. They first introduced Uber as a luxury car service in San Francisco. They wanted to solve the basic problem. Getting a taxi in the city was a hassle. They started with a test group of 100 friends. Feedback was overwhelmingly positive, which encouraged them to expand their service, catering eventually to a wider market segment and different cities. Indeed, feedback can be a powerful tool in validation. Speaking about that, Dropbox provides another extraordinary example. They leveraged video demonstration to get initial traction. Robert, could you elucidate on that? Gladly. Dropbox's story is fascinating. Their simple video demonstration was a hit among the tech-savvy community, even though they did not have a working product. It was just a prototype, yet people loved it. That significant surge in sign-ups validated their idea, 
and solidified their OMTM. One metric that matters, which was increase user engagement. Each of these examples vividly showcase varied strategies that elevated their chance of success in their respective markets, rendering their idea validation prosperous. Valuable insights indeed. The road of idea validation, though invigorating, can be fraught with risks, wouldn't you say, Robert? Without a doubt. And every risk implies potential loss. Therefore, understanding how to minimise these risks is what we aim to shed light on. So how do startups negate such risks during their idea validation phase? One key tactic is being ready to pivot. It's often seen as a setback. But in reality, pivoting is a pivotal aspect of startup success. It provides flexibility and room for growth to startups, especially in their early stages. If an idea isn't working or a method isn't delivering results, pivoting allows a company to reevaluate and refocus. So it's like constantly evolving with the changes and demands. Exactly. And that brings us to diversification. It's not wise to put all our eggs in one basket, meaning betting all on one strategy. Deploying multiple validation strategies can allow companies to mitigate risks by ensuring multiple potential pathways to success. And, of course, there's the importance of data-backed decision-making over intuition. Couldn't have emphasised that more, Claudia. Trends, market sizes, customer needs, they all change constantly. Continuous data collection and interpreting metrics can provide valuable insights to make the right decisions. This reminds me of something quite critical which often gets overlooked. Confirmation bias. Too often do we see individuals seeking and interpreting only those pieces of information which affirm their preconceived ideas. Ensuring realistic projections and avoiding such bias can lead to more accurate results during idea validation. Let's not treat the concept of a pivot like a dreaded monster. It's essentially about being flexible. Wouldn't you agree, Claudia? Absolutely, Robert. It compels one to re-evaluate, redesign and deploy new strategies, aligning them with changing market trends and customer behaviour. Exactly. And we could look at countless companies that greatly benefited from massive pivots, even when their original ideas carried promise. Consider Twitter. That was a pivot, wasn't it? Spot on, Claudia. Originally, it was a podcast platform named Odeo. When Apple announced iTunes podcasting, they had to reconsider their whole model. What followed was a pivot that gave birth to Twitter, as we know it. That's a fascinating example to ponder over. But how does one understand if it's the right time to pivot? Well, indicators usually surface as recurring patterns. For instance, if your product isn't gaining traction, or your customers' needs have evolved, or better alternatives have emerged in the market, these could be signs to consider a pivot. Although it's critical to take a close look at these indicators, one shouldn't ignore the impact it could have on the team, right? Indeed. Keeping your team's morale high while transitioning is a complex dance. The leader's role in communicating the need, strategy and goals of the pivot transparently is important to maintain trust within the team. Prototype building. Let's hit it. Can we start by distinguishing prototypes from MVPs? Sure, I learned that although people often use them interchangeably, they serve different purposes. A prototype is a preliminary model created to test and validate the idea. It might not have the full functionalities, but it helps to visualise a concept. Right. And an MVP or minimum viable product, on the other hand, is a more advanced version compared to a prototype. It is the simplest form of your product that can be released into the market. It includes enough features that customers are willing to purchase or use it. 
Succinctly put, Robert. Now how does prototype building fit into idea validation? It's pretty vital. Building a prototype allows entrepreneurs to validate their ideas against real user behaviours. You may think you understand your customer needs, but seeing how users interact with your prototype can open your eyes to unforeseen issues or opportunities. So it's a way of getting direct user feedback, but in a controlled environment before a full release, correct? Exactly. Now, designing an effective prototype isn't a walk in the park, but there are steps to ensure a smoother process. Do tell, Robert. We need those insights. OK. First, make sure you define your objectives clearly. Second, keep your prototype simple. It doesn't need to look like the final product. Remember, your goal is to validate the idea, so it's about function, not aesthetics. Lastly, gather user feedback effectively. This data is crucial in refining the prototype. There's certainly an art to this, but your formula simplifies it. Define, simplify and gather feedback. I think we leave it at that for today. Given our lack of prototyping expertise, we should bring on a guest who has hands-on experience in prototype building. Claudia, I couldn't agree more. Learning first-hand from pros can be invaluable. What a rich discussion we've had today about idea validation. I definitely have a greater appreciation for how much work goes into a new startup idea. How about you, Robert? I have learned a lot new strategies today considered somewhat offbeat, Claudia, plus the pivotal role of the so-called dreaded pivot in startups. It's all part of the process, Robert. Let's take a couple of moments to answer some listener queries, shall we? I've just come across a great question. What is the most uncommon but effective idea validation strategy you have seen? Hmm, that's an interesting one. Thinking retrospectively, I recall a unique approach where a company launched a free bare-bones version of their product to gauge interest and gather feedback. I believe it allowed for real-life validation without a heavy upfront investment. That's an excellent example of innovative strategy. I recall an instance where a fitness startup used pre-orders for new product lines as an elaborate market research tool. It helped them validate their ideas and mitigate potential risk. Remember... Idea validation is not a one-size-fits-all process. Entrepreneurs have to be quick on their feet, experimenting with various approaches to find what works for them. Indeed, and one needs to be ready to pivot when necessary. Pivoting is nothing to dread, it might just save your startup. Speaking of our listeners, we would love to hear your experiences in the rollercoaster ride of idea validation. This podcast thrives on your stories and experiences. And finally, before we sign off... Let's consolidate the knowledge we've gained in today's episode. Every business commences with an idea. By assessing its validity, we are essentially turning uncertainty into a calculated risk. So, no matter how revolutionary or elementary your idea may be, it becomes meaningful only when it passes through the crucible of validation.